Hi, welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Canty. You can learn more about me and my team at KatherineCanty.com. For more than two decades, I have been able to travel the country and help other people grow their business. From those experiences, I was able to work with a proposal team that generated success 90% of the time for over a decade. We have created a leadership coaching program that is creating 100% measured results as seen by the leaders, peers, and stakeholders. And finally, I have spent nearly a decade in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, where we are learning what's working and what's not. And more importantly, we're able to take the communication from the boardroom and get it down to the front line so execution is easier to implement. You know, from all these experiences, we created a framework called Business Vitality. These are all of the best practices of leaders and and opportunities that have been coming up decade after decade. And a lot of this stuff has been in practice for more than 20 years, 30 years and beyond. And what we're learning is a lot of these folks that are remaining vital in business today are having to think differently. And to share a quote from one of my CEOs that I've worked with in the past, he told me all day long he can hire folks, but what he needs more of are people who think outside the box. So in an effort to pay it forward and celebrate successes, we are going to be sharing stories of leaders who are thinking differently and remaining vital in business today. Please stick to the end and we will share how you can be a guest on the show. And thanks so much for being here. Amy Cook, you are the founder of Stage Marketing and the Chief Marketing Officer at Simplex. You can be found on the web at stagemarketing.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here, Catherine. I enjoyed our pre-chat. So um, me too. this will be fun. Do you mind just kind of starting off and talking about stage marketing kind of at a high level and what you do there? And then I can't help but notice you have the chief marketing role. So maybe you can just touch on both of these. And sure. um, I would love just to be able to learn more and share that. Well, thank you so much. You know, my uh, my career in marketing was something that I kind of accidentally fell into. So um, it was 2008 and my husband had just gotten this job with Lehman Brothers and he was very excited about it. And one month later, Lehman Brothers went bankrupt and Jeff lost his job. And so, you know, I had a PhD in organizational communication. I knew how to write and I had all these little kids. And so I thought, well, we got to do something. Failure is not an option here. We have lots of people to feed. (laughs) So I started, you know, going out and, you know, Jeff was still working part-time and winding down some properties with Lehman. And so I started going out and asking people if I could do some writing jobs for them. And uh, one thing led to another. And uh, then we got a tax return and it was a $10,000 tax return. And Jeff said to me, all right, Amy, we're going to play a game let's each take $5,000 and see who can make the most money. And so he put his in real estate investments and I started stage marketing. And so um, everybody asked me who won. I won. And it was (laughs) go Amy. (laughs) It was, it was wonderful. It was a, it's, it's just been an incredible, wonderful ride for a, for a long time. And so um, we actually have a new CEO now. And, um, he is just absolutely fantastic. And so, uh, I am the chief marketing officer at Simplus and how that happened was 
uh, Ryan Westwood was one of my clients and I was helping him write Forbes articles uh, for publication. And one day we went to lunch and he asked me if I would like to come in-house and be his head of uh, marketing. And we had just gotten Series A funding. I knew immediately that it was a, an amazing opportunity that I couldn't pass up. And so I said, absolutely. And I left the agency um, in very good hands. And then I went over full-time to Simplus and just had the most incredible experience. So Simplus was acquired three years later by a company called Infosys. And um, it was a $250 million acquisition. And we had a crazy growth rate. And it's been an awesome experience to be part of a larger business now as part of Infosys. So that's just kind of my career story in a nutshell. That is fantastic. I love oh, how you. you guys took the money, you divvied it up and you kind of had a game and the game worked pretty well. It did. I mean, thankfully, right? <laughs> well, talking so with you, I could tell it it's going to work out. So oh, you have a lot you. of talent. <laughs> Oh, thank you for saying that. You know, it's a lot of hard work to build a business, as I'm sure you know, from being building your own business. And I just feel like, you know, when you do what you love, though, you it doesn't even feel like work. It just feels like, it, you know, it's pretty exciting. And like you, um, I have a mindset where I really want to provide value for people. And that's one of the reasons I was really excited to come on the show today because of, you know, that um, like abundance mindset that you have to try to, you know, give to other people uh, that information. I appreciate that. Thank you. And so you, you talked about your growth and it's pretty amazing. You had, and I have to share this number. You have a three-year growth rate that you were able to um, help lead. And it's 1,578% over three years. That is unbelievable. Oh, um, congratulations first. And second, you know, as this ties into leadership and, and just business vitality and how do you remain vital through all that, but how, my main question is how do you hold others accountable if, and you're creating this 1500% growth, like how do you hold people accountable during that entire time frame? You know, it, it really, it's, it's so interesting. I learned a lot from Ryan, our CEO, when I I was over at Simplus. He is masterful at this. Um, being able to hold people accountable for their own departments and let go just enough, but still stay on top of it. And so I learned some tricks and tips from, from doing that um, just to get real tactical and practical. One of the best ways that I found to hold people, hold your team accountable, but not be too tight on the reins is um, to have them do a, a pretty detailed weekly recap of everything that they're doing. And they do that knowing that you're going to send it off to the CEO. So when I did that over at Simplus, um, you know, each one, each member of my team, first of all, you have to hire awesome people. And so I think if I, if I have a superpower, it's that I hire awesome people. And I think that um, it, it really makes a huge difference to um, a culture and to, you know, productivity. And if you're interested, there's a certain, you know, type of person that I try to target to join our team. But, um, you know, you hire these awesome people who are very responsible. And then, you know, you, you get their 
I had a, a web person and a social media person and a content person um, and uh, a project manager. And when all four of them would come together and give me, you know, the what they have been doing in addition to what I had been doing, and you assemble it all together at the end of the week, it gives you a really good overview of everything that's going on in your organization, in your department. So you can know exactly what's going on down to the last detail. They put the links in the in their recaps. So you can like drill down as far as you need to go. And then you can see very quickly if there are gaps in what you've, you know, what you're seeing in terms of your department. So um, that would happen a lot where I would say, okay, like we've got 90% of this covered, but I am missing something right here. What happened to our LinkedIn advertising? Did I forget to start that or, you know, or whatever. And so it gives you an opportunity to really understand um, your department. And then you, when you roll it up to the CEO, then it also, you're being accountable to your own manager and holding your boss accountable to read your stuff so they know what's going on too. And being able to manage up and manage down, I think is a really um, interesting and, and important skill to learn. Can can you talk about the um, the detailed weekly recap? I'm just curious. I've done something like that for myself in the past, and I found it very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, what is it? I guess I'm more of a visual person. What does that look like? Is it a one page, but you have the hyperlinks throughout that if they want to drill down, or what does that look like? Yeah, so it's a good question. It depends on how, like for me, um, I have found that executives don't like to click into attachments very often, <laughs> so I would just put it in an email. I would label it and I kept every, I kept every one. So, and if anyone ever asked me, okay, what happened September 26, 2019, I could go back to that very quickly and, and, you know, be able to find it. But because um, most people will just scroll through and through an email on their phone, that's how I positioned it and just had the links there in case people wanted to drill down. So then like, you know, when uh, Ryan and I would do our monthly, he would oftentimes pull from that weekly recap and, and say, okay, tell me more about this. Tell me more about this. And it was a really great uh, relationship that way in terms of, you know, keeping each other accountable. I think it's fantastic. I, I tried that um, while I was had my corporate career and I found because there were so many things that were moving every single week that if I, A, I used my calendar for time mm -hmm. management and then I would just highlight those key items that would bubble up mm -hmm. and then I would just kind of create them in a Word doc or something like that. And then I could easily move it into an email, just cut and paste, but mm -hmm. I would have 12 months of things that we moved. And when it came to the year end, you know, review and, and anything along the way, it was a great way just to refer back to one single document that wasn't really overwhelming. And it allowed me to highlight some of those significant events that maybe we forgot about, because I feel like sometimes we just focus on what was the last big issue. And really, we need to appreciate all the things that have happened over the course of the last six to 12 months. I love that. And I think that that, that, you know, perspective, that more broad perspective, which allows you to hire or not hire, to, allows you to view the, the overall broad successes that you're having. It really helps to position 
what's really going on instead of maybe focusing on the latest fire that's happening because we all have them, right? Yeah. And then, you know, if you got a week that, man, I didn't get anything done, you can at least go back and say, look, this is what is going on. And you can at <laughs> least celebrate that because sometimes we hit these lulls and we're like, if I get one more email from that person, I'm just, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do because totally. they just wear you down. So to know you've got something to to kind of lean back on to fuel you back up. You know, that's a really great point. When you talk about, you know, how do you keep that emotional resilience going? That really does help because like you said, sometimes when you're in the weeds, it feels like nothing is happening. It feels like you've sent 20 emails about one thing. And I've noticed this happens more now that we're, um, so my role currently at Infosys is I'm the global head of marketing for the Salesforce practice, which is, it, it includes, you know, 10 different companies in, or 10 different countries in, in Europe, um, India, Philippines, Australia, and the U.S. And so being able to pull all of that together um, does take a lot more communication. And there are a lot of people who need to have their questions answered and need to be considered. Um, and it's been really good for me to learn how to not be ethnocentric about things. And, and to try to pull it all together, but it takes a ton of communication. And so sometimes when you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not making any progress, you can look back on that and you can say, no, no, we've made a lot of progress. Look at what we're doing now. You know? Yeah. It helps for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I've got to ask about your superpower because this is what is always at the top of everyone's mind. You know, how do you hire awesome people? And can you talk about your superpower? Because this is sounds like the world needs this. So oh. <laughs> what can you share? <laughs> well, I mean, let's be, I, maybe I'm a little bit uh, too confident in my abilities to identify and hire good people, but I have a pretty good track record. And most of the people that I've hired have stayed for, you know, very like a lot of years and some over a decade. And I think that it's because they're awesome, not because of anything that I've done, but what I really appreciate about the people that I've hired are the ones that, so when we go to hire somebody, we have a, we have a, a diva free zone. So we always ask people, no matter how experienced they are, no matter how many decades they've had to do a test project with us, to be tested on their skills. And there are many people who opt out and think that they're too good for that test project, but the people who are willing to do it, especially the ones who have quite a lot of experience, I know that they're going to be team players. And I know that they're confident enough in their own abilities to put their money where their mouth is. So that is the first thing that we do that really helps to filter out people who are fairly humble and confident at the same time. So I think that's a really great uh, strategy. Um, another thing that we do is we provide a lot of flexibility for people. It's becoming really important to work with people's lives. Um, and more and more people are recognizing the importance of um, working to live instead of living to work, right? And, and it's become a really very easy to do that in a remote environment. Um, when, when I founded Stage Marketing 13 years ago, it, we were remote and we were relatively um, you know, progressive in that remote um, you know, in that, in that remote uh, business configuration. And one of the reasons for that is that I um, am a mom with kids and I needed flexibility. And 
I also wanted to provide that as a company value for anyone who worked with me. So um, we developed a system where we could remotely work together on our own time and we just implemented a time tracking system. So I would say, you know, that that test is a really important thing, but then also hiring hiring awesome women is the next big strategy. Um, and we hire awesome men as well, and they're equally fabulous. But a lot of times women who need flexibility in their lives are not given the proper um, consideration because people automatically assume, oh, well, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be preoccupied with their kids. They're not going to be able to give it a full-time job. Oh, well, you know, they need flexibility. They can't be here in the afternoon. So what are you going to do? You know, so what I ended up doing was I'm, I'm really grateful that Ryan gave me a shot because what I ended up doing was, you know, working while the kids were in school, taking a few hours off in the afternoon and going back to work at night. And so I was able to prove to him over time that, you know, I was, I was just as um, effective as any of his executives, uh, even though I was in California, not Salt Lake City and remote and had five children. And I remember one day he asked me straight up because he's just a straightforward guy. He was like, how, how are you going to do this? Like you have five kids. And I was like, Ryan, you let me worry about that. I'll just, I'll just crush it for you. And he trusted me and I was really grateful for that opportunity. So that's my second, that's the second place that I go is just to hire really amazing people who want flexibility in their lives and um, hiring awesome women who want a part-time gig or a full-time gig with some more flexibility is another strategy that I use a lot. I think it's fantastic. I, um, I can relate. I was looking for someone to kind of help me. Mm -hmm. Um, just kind of behind the scenes, just stuff that is taking up too much of my time. And I found a, a lady that had a, a group of other moms that just wanted some flexibility and, and work some hours. And she matched me up with some amazing talent. And I'm like, this is awesome. And so it's so funny because sometimes I would get emails at two in the morning or three at the morning and I'd respond in the morning. I'm like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm just up with the baby. And this is, you know, I can't do anything right now. And I'm like, well, this is all like, she got everything done that I needed. It was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And even right now, like we just, you know, shoot each other a text, Hey, I'm doing this or whatever. And it's fantastic because I'm able to move some stuff off my plate to somebody who wants the flexibility to be able to stay at home with her kids. And she mm -hmm. does amazing work. So, I mean, it's just a really like, you know, coming from a corporate background, they have a hard time, you know, thinking about that flexibility mm -hmm. and things, but you know, when you're out and you're able to redefine what, what mm -hmm. this looks like now, I think it's really just amazing at the different types of support and, and being able to support other folks, yeah. um, this way, I think is important. So I think what you're saying is, is extremely valuable. Oh, thank you. Well, it reminds me of, uh, what you just said reminds me of, um, Catherine on my team who is just like the perfect example, right? So she's pregnant with her second and she, um, has always worked from home and she and I oftentimes will pass like ships in the night. Cause I'm on Pacific time and she's on Eastern time. And so every once in a while I'll be up late working and I'll send a, a message and she'll send me one right back. Cause she's up the next morning. <laughs> 
and it's it's kind of funny to do that, but it's actually been really helpful because, um, especially with the uh, India time and Europe time, there the the hours are you know variable depending on when people can make it. So, I do think that that's a, a really great. Um, you know, that offering that flexibility is really great, but it has to be coupled. And this is the secret sauce. It has to be coupled with people who have the fire. You know, if, if somebody is looking for um, a job that they can coast in or quiet quit in, we're not the right group because we are very collaborative. There's no way someone could quiet quit on us without us knowing about it. There's like a 0% chance because we're very highly collaborative as a marketing team. Mm -hmm. And so in order for you to let go and real and trust your remote group of people that they know what they're doing, you have to be able to identify in them that there's really a fire to do well. And there's a real um, sense of uh, pride in their work. And I think you can, you know, you can identify that in people and you can see what they're passionate about. And if you hire people who are really passionate about their work, the money is secondary. It's doing great work. It's creating, it's being able to produce something that they're proud of that, that really drives people. And if you can find that, um, you know, if you can find that, you know, the three legs of the stool right there where they're humble yet confident enough and they're able to, um, you know, be flexible and they have that fire, then, then you've got a really great employee. It sounds like you take it just a little bit deeper than, than maybe that, what we've thought about in the past, when we want to identify top talent, you're taking it deeper and you're, you're giving them a test and you're taking, you're just calling it out. There's mm -hmm. a, a, a diva free zone here and you need to test this mm -hmm. to see if you're a good fit, which is actually genius because you may get to the other side. They may have the solution. You're just kind of like, oh, that just wasn't mm -hmm. what I thought, which is beautiful because then you, you have expectations and you have a way to, to get out or either one. Right. Um, yeah. Well, so either one is a great point because when, because sometimes when people do a test project with us, we're not the right fit for them. They're looking maybe for a you know, like, let's go into the office and go hang out at the water cooler type of environment. And those environments are really great. Also, it's just not ours. Mm -hmm. And so doing that kind of thing is, is a, a really, uh, that, that's a great point that you brought up about that having it be a mutual fit. Yeah, a clear expectations on the front end, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, mixed with the flexibility mixed with that fire that people have in their mm -hmm. belly. And you can, you can, you, we know when we see it. That's <laughs> great. That is awesome. Okay. So I love one of your um, quotes that you help make complex things simple. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, you know, as you think about that quote, how are you focused on the critical few to allow you to really drill into making these complex things simple? Because I've read about what Simplex is doing. I mean, it's, it's not always, you know, uber clear what you're mm -hmm. doing, you're taking really hard stuff and making it right. simple for people to understand, which is what makes business successful. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, oh, you know, you. yes, absolutely. So, um, making complex things simple has been the mantra for Simplus ever since the beginning. And I love that mission because it's something that's not real common. And, 
I think it it is it has so many different business applications. So um, in marketing, for example, so let's uh, you know broaden it up a little bit to what Simplest does. So Simplest, um, we're we are the the geek squad for Salesforce. We will go in and we'll help people understand their business environment, what kinds of tools they should be using and looking at, what kind of roadmap they should be looking at. And we'll take it from the business side. So we're not going to just try to sell them and implement some kind of technology that they don't need. We need to go look at all of their their business KPIs first and help them optimize that. Um, we implement an advisory strategy and then we, um, you know, we'll, we'll do the project work and then hopefully follow up with some managed services at the end to help them keep their sales force running very smoothly and inconsistently. So um, that's what, that's how we make things more, more simple for a complex business environment. Um, and then on the marketing side, um, making complex things simple is really the goal of marketing. If you think of marketing, it's, you know, pulling out some academic terms, um, the rhetorical situation for any kind of marketing project is to provide, you know, the right message to the right audience at the right time. And many times um, companies fail when they get too jargony for people and they are trying to be too complex in, in their offerings and they don't have a very good understanding of what their audience knows and who, what their buyers know. That happens a lot of times when people get too technical, um, when they're trying to speak to the business side of the organization and they try to talk about like the how to implement something when pe people want to know that you can do it, but what the business outcomes are going to be, right? So um, that's a really important part of marketing. Um, it's also important to know that sometimes, you know, if you try to talk, to, if you try to like, talk down to people also, that's a, that's even worse than being too technical. And so really understanding your audience and making the, the complex things simple for them and helping them really solve their business problems is the essence of what we do. Love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, and it is, it's an art and not everybody has perfected it, which is, you know, nothing but business opportunity for you, Amy. Well, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, funny. Tell me a little bit, how are you, um, I'm curious, investing in yourself to continue to grow, to continue to do what you're doing and, and exceed all these, you know, expectations and goals that I'm sure you have? Well, I think um, one of the things that I find to be very important is I try never, I try not to, even though I hire uh, a lot of really fantastic technical um, experts, I try not to ever ask somebody to do something that I wouldn't do myself, right? So even though I don't know how to code a website, I at least need to know, you know, what I'm talking about enough to converse with these guys and be able to help set, you know, the right expectations and, and understand how it all works. So trying to keep educating myself is really important. Um, I like to, you know, my most recent book that I read was called Amp It Up by uh, Frank Slootman, who is the CEO of Snowflake. Um, and then I'm also currently taking a business strategy uh, cert certification course with Stanford. And so that's just kind of helping me stay uh, competitive on the strategic side. So um, I'm also teaching a class at uh, BYU Hawaii in entrepreneurship. And so that makes me stay sharp as well. So I think it's really easy when you get to be my age in my mid forties and, you know, to think, well, you know, I'm kind of tired right now. 
I'd rather watch the uh, Lord of the Rings new series, but um, it's, I think it's really important to uh, stay sharp and to not expect uh, your team to do things that you wouldn't do yourself. So if you expect, you know, continuing education out of your team, you have to keep doing it yourself. And that really is helpful for me in terms of, you know, keeping everything pulled together on the business side. And then on the personal side, my kids are so great and so grounding for me um, because they will let you know, they'll be like, Hey, mom, pull away, pull, (laughs) pull out, pull out, get out of your computer, you know? And so being able to, um, you know, for me, they, they really pull me out and make me be a person and um, my husband as well. And for other people who either don't have children or are single and um, making sure that you, you block out time for yourself to be able to have, you know, that full rounded perspective where you like have good, you know, your, where your physical and your mental and your emotional and your social lives are all balanced. Have you found any tricks to doing that that you want it's to share? Hard. I mean, I was going to ask you the same thing, Catherine. Have you found any <laughs> tricks to doing it? Because I can do it all if I don't sleep, but that's not a yeah. good strategy either. No, then I probably verbally take somebody's head off because I didn't get enough sleep. So exactly. it's not a good thing. Exactly. Yeah. So do you block out time? Like I, my kids, like my kids kind of force me to block out time. And, and that is really, really helpful for me because I have a tendency to get a little um, off balance into, um, you know, involved in what I do, but what about you? What do you do to stay? I, I use that calendar. Like it's crazy, mm-hmm. just blocking mm-hmm. out times for certain things. And over the years I've learned when I put something on the calendar that I need to do, and it could mm-hmm. be a walk, it could be meditation. It could be whatever it is, some quiet time, just so I could sit and think and process I have to take that just as serious as I would meeting with any business, you know, meeting that I would normally, you know, bend over backwards to make sure I didn't miss. And it's hard to have that meeting where, you know, you can bump it because it's just with yourself, with myself. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to bump that and fill in something else because maybe somebody needs a favor, but um, holding on to that for me has been helpful. And personally, I've been working on just sitting in the quiet, which is really hard. And Mm -hmm. if I can sit on the porch and I'm not talking about a lot of time right now, just because I'm trying to get my head around it. Um, Mm -hmm. But if I can sit, you know, for a a good 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes and just Mm -hmm. sit, I've found the answers are there. I just haven't been quiet enough to listen for them. Mm -hmm. And um, just sometimes a a guided meditation kind of helps with some questions that they ask that I can process. So that's a really good suggestion. Um, I think I'm going to start doing that too. Whenever I block something out in, for example, exercise with a friend or go, go walk with a friend or go take a class with a friend, then I do feel obligated to not bail on that person. And that's a really good thing for me. Cause just like you said, it's easy to just, if, if it's a date with yourself, sometimes it's easy to say, Oh, I'll do that later. You know? Yeah. I'll, yeah. So that's a, that's a great point. And I love your uh, point about the guided meditation and that the answers are there, but we have to be quiet enough to realize they're there and take that time and, and really identify what it is that we want. I think I have a little bit of trouble with that because, you know, when, when it comes to, when you have opportunities come to you, um, sometimes it's for me, I, because, you know, 
because I've been financially insecure many times in my life growing up as well as um, in my adult life, my, my natural tendency is to just say yes to everything and take every opportunity that I possibly can. And what I'm trying to do now is sit and think about that and think, well, what are my real goals? And especially now that I'm in my mid forties, I think about that a lot more because I, I can see, I can see the, uh, the time ticker a lot more easily where I'm like, okay, I've probably got 20 more years in my career. That's not 40. So what do I want to do with the last 20? You know what I mean? Yeah. I completely relate. I'm at the same age. It sounds like as you, and just tying this back in, um, on Monday, I was, I had a lot of stuff on my plate and I'm trying to process it. And it just, the more I thought about it, the more stressed I was getting. And I thought I could listen to a book while I went for a walk, but mm-hmm. I had to turn the book off and I had to just walk and be with mm-hmm. that, you know, uncomfortable. What am I going to do? Like, this is heavy on me right now. What am I going to do? And halfway through that walk, I just had this moment of clarity talking about making complex things simple, but I had this moment of clarity and it was as simple as what do I want out of this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I shifted it to that, I was like, I know exactly what I want out of this. And it felt pretty free to, mm-hmm. to get to that point. And then when I had to have the meeting, like for some weird universal reason, that's what the other person wanted too. And I've been telling myself these stories that it needed to be really more complex than it was. And really mm-hmm. we did align but I had to get to the point of what do I want to do and how does that work for me? And the rest of it's going to fall into place, which is a big mind shift for me because we only have so much time. So, you know, why am I worrying about everybody else? I need to just focus on, you know, what's going to bring me joy and energy and how can I be a better person to show up? And it's because I need to identify what it is that I want and be Mm -hmm. okay with sharing it with others. I love that so much. I think that, I don't know. I know, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I, I know a lot of women who are so attuned to other people's needs that we don't really know what we want. We want everyone else to be happy. We want our, we want our families to be happy. We want our friends to be happy. We want our boss to be happy. And then we think, well, what will bring me joy? What will where? And, and I think that the older I get, the more I think that that is not a selfish question, because when you are saying, my mom told me something really insightful a while ago. And she said, just remember Amy, that when you are saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And you need to be aware of what you're saying no to. And I thought, Whoa, that was pretty mind blowing mom. Way to go. But it, it was, and I, it's really become a, a guiding principle in my life because it does, I do have to think about that. And so when I think about, well, what do I really want out of this? It really helps me understand um, how I can show up better. And just like you said, be a better person in, in, in that area. And then it gives you the opportunity to serve in a way that you couldn't before if you're just saying yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this makes me think of, I guess the first half of life, you know, the first 40 years is for me, it was these constraints. And when Mm -hmm. I embraced all these constraints, that's how I could make decisions. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, we work hard, we're at a good place in life and I'm not 
I'm used to being in that constraint mindset. Mm -hmm. And what I'm learning is there's choices out there now because of everything that we've done to to lead up to this point. And Mm -hmm. so I'm shifting from that constraint to choice mindset. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know where it's going to take me, but I just see that shift and, you know, it, it takes a little while to get, get to wherever we're going next. Yeah. I, I really love that. And I do think that as you continue to, I think about, you know, what would I tell myself in my early twenties? And I do think that there were a lot of constraints. You kind of have to prove yourself in your twenties. You have to work as hard as you absolutely can. Or if you're entering the workforce in your forties or where your fifties, no matter what, you know, you have to get in there and kind of prove yourself a little bit. And then those choices start opening up for you. And no matter, no matter what industry you're in, no matter what career you choose, when you put your whole, you know, mindset into it and you put all of your effort into it, those choices will open up. I think it's fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like I could keep asking you questions all day long. (laughs) (laughs) This is a fun conversation. I love it. (laughs) I'm curious. I'm, I'm, I'm just very curious. You're a columnist for a couple of topics and I just wanted to share this and I would love to hear how did you come about finding these topics and writing on them? And so the topics that I noticed that you write about are love and relationships, senior health and general health care. Mm-hmm. Connecting the dots of on course. those. Yes, of course. So with love and relationships, that was kind of some me search because I was married once before. And um, then uh, my husband and I have been married now for uh, 17 years. And so it's always been very interesting to me. I think about, okay, what did I do wrong the first time? How do I not do it wrong the second time? (laughs) And how do I become a better person and understand more about love and relationships? And so that's always really fascinated me. Um, And I'm kind of a romantic at heart, I guess. And so that's just really my, my more, you know, personal, um, interest. And then in, on the healthcare side, we have a lot of businesses that we work with over at stage that are in post-acute care and in med tech. And so, um, as part of the offerings that we have provided for them, it's been necessary for us to really understand what we're doing when, and when it comes to healthcare, really dive deep and embrace the healthcare industry so we can help people position it. And so just as a, uh, just as an exercise more on the business side, we've needed to become more um, adept at understanding the healthcare environment. Plus, I'm also personally interested in that because I have a brother who is a dermatopathologist and um, who, you know, runs his own labs and everything. And he uh, co-founded a med tech business. And then I have another brother who is an endodontist and I have a sister who's a nurse. And so I'm all, I'm just, I'm very proud of my siblings and I have to be able to talk to them at Thanksgiving and know what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. They're what great. about is, so does that fall to senior health fall in to that then? Uh-huh. Yeah. So senior health care is post-acute care for oh, the post-acute. Part. Okay. All right. Yeah, so um, that's what I mean. I mean, it's not senior healthcare is much more broad, but post-acute for skilled nursing and home health and, um, home care, all of those are, are post-acute, uh, care. And all of that does fall in somewhere or another, mostly into senior health. Okay. I've been learning about, um, aging beauties and, um, just being able to support them, um, emotionally and making sure that they have the conversations that they need. So they, 
have great quality of life and continue to live in their own home and, and take care of themselves. And, um, there's something about that loneliness that, that impacts them. And, um, I mean, rightfully so, but, you know, Mm -hmm. just being aware of it and really aware of it in the community and how do you support that? And so, um, I have a lady that, that teaches me about that. And she also teaches, um, one of our state senators on that topic and, and just making sure that it's being addressed. And I think education and communication is really key to Mm -hmm. sharing these incredible ideas that are out there that may not have been as easy to share in the past as they are now. I totally agree with that. Um, when I was for five years, I did a TV show for Laguna, uh, for Laguna Woods. It's a 20,000 member senior community um, in Orange County, California, and it was called Good Day Orange County. It was so fun. And I remember one time um, there was a man in the audience and I was just, I, we just struck up a conversation and I said, so why is everybody so healthy here in this active community? Because you had people in their nineties, um, that were just like out playing pickleball, you know, the, the date, the dating scene in Laguna woods was unlike it was, it was like more active than like a, a college campus, truly. I mean, it was just, it was really fun. There was a lot of that dating going on too. And he said, he said, well, you know, here in Laguna Woods, we have three mantras that we live by. First, we try to keep on a few pounds. So when we get cancer, we can fight it off. <laughs> Second, <laughs> these guys are hilarious. Second, we drink a lot of alcohol. And third, we we can't die because our bridge partner would kill us. <laughs> He was, he was delightful and, but there was, there is some truth to what he's saying about the social aspect of it and how important that is. So I really love that. That is so fun. I love that. That's great advice for like anything, isn't it? It is. It's great advice. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) Amy, is there anything else that we haven't covered yet that that you want to talk about today? You know, I feel the same way as you. I could just talk with you for hours and I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been such a fun conversation and I, um, you know, appreciate you having me on. If someone wants to learn more about you, Amy, where's the best way to go? I know that um, I'm following you on LinkedIn. I think that's a great outlet. Um, Yes, I would love that. If uh, if anyone would like to follow me on LinkedIn, um, it's Amy Osmond Cook, and I use my maiden name so people can find me among the the thousands and thousands of Amy Cooks that are out there. So <laughs> that's fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you, Amy Cook. You are the founder of Stage Marketing, Chief Marketing Officer at Simplex as well. Um, you are found on the web at stagemarketing.com. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. My team and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Business Vitality Podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you know of another leader, another CEO, a founder who has another success story that they are willing to share and be able to pay it forward, we would love to highlight their stories on this podcast. You can find more information at katherinecanty.com. And in the meantime, if you could take a minute and rate this show, that would be super helpful because that's going to allow more people like you to find us in order to continue to pay it forward. 
Again, if you need to learn any additional information, we are happy to help. You can find us more at katherinecanty.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with my name, Katherine Canty. Thanks so much for being here.